If you'll take your Bibles, I want to read from three different passages. I'm going to read several verses, so you can go ahead and stay seated if you don't, if you'd like, or you can stand if you want. But let me just read for you a few verses. And here's what I'm hoping we can do between Isaiah 9, Isaiah 60, and John 1, is that we can create a, a scenario, if you will, a feeling, a, a, um, a, a picture of what, what the world was like prior to the coming of Christ, what the world was like at the time of the coming of Christ, and how all of that has something to say to us in the year 2016 in terms of the same message of hope that we need to hear in each and every day. Let me begin with verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9. Here's what it says. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boots used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that day on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. If you're flipping with me, you want to go over to Isaiah chapter 6, chapter 60, or on your phones or your iPads, over to chapter 60. I want to read for you the first five verses. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. And then over in John chapter 1, let me begin with verse... uh, Well, let's start right at the beginning for for the first 14 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John, very well represented by Zechariah here today. Uh, in terms of that announcement. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him... To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, 
the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, I pray that as we consider together these verses amongst others, that you will help us as we're entering into this, what can be an overwhelmingly busy season. I pray, Lord, that you would settle our spirits and our minds and our focus today so that as we begin this journey into December and into all the things that it has to hold, that you would help us to know that there's one that is really worthy of praise, that is worthy of, of mention on a regular basis, is worthy of following and celebrating. I pray, dear Jesus, that you would help us to celebrate you and to know why you came and what a difference you've made in this world and in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this chance. May these words now not, no longer lie, lie, lie flat on a page, but may they take three-dimensional form and dance their way into our lives that we might be shaped by them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I think you probably discovered as we were reading through these different passages of Scripture that there was a little bit of a theme. If you look there in Isaiah chapter 9, in fact, if you read a little bit of the story just prior to chapter 9, you'll discover that there was over the land in that day a darkness that had settled. It was a darkness that I mean, there were all kinds of reasons for the darkness. There was oppression, there was consequences of sin, there was judgment, all those kind of things. And so there was a darkness that was over the land, and then there's a mention of light. As you go to Isaiah chapter 60, once again, if you look at chapter 59, you'll see that there was all kinds of darkness that was in the land. And yet chapter 60 introduces us to one who will come that will bring light into the world. As John chapter 1 begins, he talks about a light coming into the darkness. And so the whole thought I want us to grab a hold of today is, what is it that Jesus came to do? What, I mean, he came to do a lot of things, and that's why we have four, season, four Sundays of Advent. But I'm going to answer that question at least in part, what is it that Jesus came to do? And part of it has to do with darkness. I want to tell you a story from my, uh, from my childhood when I was about... 11 years old, I lived, uh, my, my whole family lived with my, my grandfather on my dad's side in my Aunt Jenny's home. My Aunt Jenny was, uh, was never married, uh, so she lived at home the whole time. She was a librarian there in town, but they shared a home together, my grandpa on my dad's side and my Aunt Jenny. Well, when we stayed there, we were staying there because mom and dad were on deputation. We were touring around and we needed some place to stay while that was happening. And so we stayed there, and <clears throat> let me tell you that at my grandfather's house, there was, a, there was a place that was the scariest place on earth. It was called Grandpa's Basement. Grandpa's Basement. Now, Grandpa's Basement was scary because it was full of darkness, and it was full of shadows. Now, here's the problem with this. For the year that we lived there, 365 of the longest days of my life, my bedroom was in Grandpa's basement. And so every night, I, it became a, a, a struggle, a strain. I mean, Mom and Dad knew about this, but it became this struggle and this strain because I would need to go down into that, that, that temple of doom called Grandpa's basement, and I'd have to somehow make my way to my room where I could turn the lights on fully. In fact, I'll, I'll freely confess to you, during that year, I slept with the lights on. Well, every day, here was a ceremony. It went something like this. Now, let me just back up for a minute. My grandpa, 
was kind of, uh, there was something twisted about Grandpa, because first of all, he was this, he was this electric conservative conservationist. He didn't want lights ever turned on too early. So you couldn't go down in the basement when it was daytime. You had to go down into the basement in darkness. And why do you have to go into the basement in darkness? Because Grandpa didn't put a light switch at the top of the stairs. Instead, Grandpa put a pull, you know, one of those pull strings to light the basement up halfway back. And so the scenario would be something like this. You go down the stairs. When you get to the bottom of the stairs, you do a left, and then you do another left, and then you begin walking through the basement going like this, trying to find, you're with me, aren't you? Don't, trying to find the light switch. And then finally, that, that feeling of hope comes and you bang into it and you, you turn the light switch on and suddenly there's light. Now, just one more thing to add to this great 365 years, days of my life. I had an older brother. And my older brother knew that I was afraid of, of the basement. And so it was a regular ritual, at least weekly, that I knew that somehow when I turned that switch on, his big, ugly face would be standing right in front of me, and he'd go, ah, something like that. The year of darkness, the year of darkness. I will, darkness is the theme that runs through here. Do you, I won't ask anyone else if you're afraid of, of dark, and I'm not really afraid of dark. I was afraid of dark in Grandpa's basement, and that was specific to that. When we look at these passages of Scripture, what we have here is a scenario where there's this presence of darkness. Darkness, you know, comes in many different ways, doesn't it? There's the darkness that comes from financial struggles. There's a darkness that comes from family strife or brokenness. There's the darkness that comes when we break up with our boyfriend or our girlfriend. There's the darkness of a bad test score. There's the darkness of unemployment when we didn't really realize, think that was coming. There's a darkness about the uncertainty of directions in life. There's a darkness that comes in so many different forms. And the nice thing I want, or the great thing I want to tell you this morning is that in these words, in this passage of Scripture, all a part of this season, there is an answer to the darkness, and his name is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus came to break into the darkness and to turn the light switch on instead of going like this down through our basement of life. He came and turned that light on and gave to us the answers that we're looking for. And Jesus is coming. He came to offer us many great provisions. The first thing I would say to you, and pastors usually talk in threes. I'm going to talk in fours this morning. The first thing I want us to think about, and I won't take long with each of these, but the first thing I want us to to grapple with for just a few moments is this. We are all in need of light, aren't we? And God, when he came in the form of Christ, came as light. I think it's safe to say that there's a universal need for each of us to have light, right? We're not nocturnal animals. We don't have those glowing eyes that can scare you out in the woods if you're walking around at night. We, we don't have those eyes that can see in the darkness. We, we, we can adjust a little bit, can't we, so that we can see. But I think probably all of us have had those scenarios where, where you're in a dark room and you stub your toe or you run into a wall or you miss the doorknob. We're not nocturnal animals, nor are we nocturnal animals when it comes to getting through life. 
So many times there's these, these moments of darkness that happens and we are in need of some kind of a light. But it's not just this physical light, is it? It's a spiritual life. The, the light for a direction in life, the light for clarity about what is right or what is wrong, a light that will produce for us a, an inner confidence that says that we're on the right path, a light that illuminates maybe spiritual behaviors so we know what's right and what is wrong, a light that produces a life or peace or assurance or confidence or righteousness. There's this need, isn't there, in every one of our lives for light. Now, I won't have a show of hands this morning, but if I were a guessing man, and I've been a pastor for many, many years, if I were a guessing man, even if I, as I'm speaking this morning, I have a hunch that there are few that are in this crowd that are experiencing some form of darkness in life. It may be the darkness of sin, and that can be solved today. It may be the darkness of a family issue or a financial crisis or a breakup or kids are not behaving or, or, or wives or husbands are not behaving. It could be the stress of unemployment. It could be any of those things that's causing a darkness. I want to tell you some really, really good news this morning. Jesus came to turn the lights on. Jesus came that he may illuminate that darkness in our life, that he would help us to see that there is a pathway out. I know this seems really simple, but I just want to make sure you know that I'm in the same boat. You know, my car has about 150,000 miles on it. I've been shopping for the last two months for, for a new vehicle. I said to my, my wife the other day, I said, Nancy, I am in anguish over this. I don't know what to do. I don't want to pay $35,000 for a new SUV because I like to sit up higher than on, instead of on the ground. I don't, I don't know what to do. It's a darkness, isn't it? It's a darkness. We all have something that is going on in life. The first thing I want you to hear as we enter into this Advent season is this. Jesus came to turn the lights on. And because of that, I say, hallelujah. In chapter 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Thank goodness. John chapter 1 Verse 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am light, I am the light of the world. John chapter 12, verse 35, then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, are you getting a feel for this? For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in your hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Add to it, David says in the Psalms, the Lord is my light and my salvation. John writes in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Hear the word of hope that is all throughout the scriptures. Whatever your darkness may be, no matter how deep or shallow it may be, Jesus has come to turn the lights on. And I say to that, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Another thing I want us to think about for a few minutes is this. What we need is an escape from darkness, and God came to do that as well. Now, I know that sounds like the same thing, but let me go back to my grandfather's basement for just a few moments. 
when I would go down waving through the basement looking for the light switch, <clears throat> I would finally hit that thing. If my brother wasn't there, then it was relatively easy to get to, to the back from there. But when you turn the light switch on, you know what a light switch does? It illuminates some of the basement. It doesn't illuminate all of the basement. My, my Aunt Jenny was a librarian, and she would bring home all the books that the library no longer wanted. And so in this basement was literally a library, column upon column upon column of bookshelves, and there were monsters in every one of them. They were there. And no matter how bright the bulb was that was twisted in that light switch, it could be 150 watts, it could be whatever, no matter how bright that light was, there were still shadows in the basement. And I was convinced, as all get out, that there were indeed monsters or predators or someone that slipped in while we were at the grocery store waiting to attack at any moment. And that's why when I got to my room, I would always lock the door down there in the basement with my lights on. You see, there's one thing. I want you to think about this. It's one thing to know that Jesus is the light. It's another thing to know that not only is he a light, he's the eliminator of darkness. He takes it all away. He eliminates not just the surface of the need for light. He takes all of that away. He will cancel out the darkness. Now, I want you to think about it in this way. Sometimes when we have challenges in life, we can learn what we call coping mechanisms. We can do step 10 steps to overcome alcoholism. And I, I appreciate that program. I really do. But that, in essence, is a way of coping, a way of making it through. And it's a great program, especially when you get it into like Alcoholics uh, for Christ or some of those other where, where the, 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 the greater power is actually named and is given the name of Jesus. But here's the great news about the coming of Jesus. He, he, he doesn't just give us a coping mechanism. Jesus, in fact, will eliminate the problem of life. And that's amazing, isn't it? Christmas is that time when Jesus came to not only be light, but be the eliminator, be the eliminator of darkness. Chapter 9, verse 12, 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, the shadows of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah further says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. John says, The light shines in the darkness. It overcomes that darkness. Folks, listen. I want to tell you something about Jesus. Jesus is more than a flashlight. Jesus is more than the one who just illuminates just enough to get by. Jesus, when he came, came to not just be a light that lights up a little bit. Jesus came to take the darkness away. Again, I don't know what all you're going through, but can I tell you a promise? How, no matter how dark it may be, no matter how big it may be, Jesus cannot just help you get through it. Jesus can solve the problem. Jesus can take the darkness away. Jesus can take even the darkness of sin away. Jesus came to do all those things. There's the darkness of the life of sin. There's the darkness of, of, of life without direction, darkness of oppression or depression, darkness of spiritual imprisonment. All of those things Jesus came to overcome.
I like John 8, 12. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, listen to this, will never walk in darkness. Hallelujah to that. Will never walk in darkness, but will have the gift of light and life. That, my friends, is good news. Jesus is coming, came to offer to us light and to elimination of darkness. But let's not stop there because he came to do even more. The third thing I want us to hear is this. We need the glory of God, and God came to present his glory to us. Now, we're talking a different ballgame here now. Now we're no longer in just light and the elimination of darkness. Now we're at a whole new strata. We're at another place. We're actually at a place that only God can, can, can reign. It says in the Scriptures repeatedly that when he came... When Jesus came, he brought with him glory. Now, a lot of times you've seen those pictures of the manger scene, and there's a light shining out of the manger scene. We think of that a lot of times as more of a, like a Roman Catholic symbol or something of that nature. You know what? It's not, it's, not all, it's not off. It's not off basis, is it? Because when Jesus came, he possessed within him the glory of heaven, didn't he? the very glory of the Father, the very glory of everything that is holy and right and righteous. It says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Listen now, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Or 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in your hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the faith of Christ. Folks, when we're talking about the glory of God, we're way past flashlights. We're way past flashlights. We're way past even the elimination of darkness. The darkness has been replaced with an eternal light that shines. It's the glory of God, isn't it? The glory of God is, is, is His holiness. It is His radiance. It is His, it is His righteousness. It is His overcoming uh, goodness in life. The glory, of, you can't even hardly explain the glory of the Lord. But I do know this. When the glory comes down, everything else is good, right? When the glory of the Lord comes down, I hope and pray that when you get up on a Sunday morning, before you even make your way to your church, you say to the Lord, will you the glory of the Lord come upon us as we gather in the worship service? You know, we, you guys are all fine folks. You really are, and it's great to socialize together. But I'll tell you what. We go away different, don't we, when the glory of the Lord comes. We go away with hope and promise and anticipation. We believe that anything can happen when the glory of the Lord comes down. When we pray, you know what happens? We enter into His glory. When we worship, what are we doing? We're singing down His glory. When we read the Word, what are we doing? We're basking in His glory the glory of the Lord, I can't say this strong enough, will overcome everything that's happening in life. When the glory is entered into the formula. Hey, there's a few teenagers here, I think. When you go to school, take the glory with you. It's amazing how the glory will help you on your test. Now, I've tested that 
I've gone through the high school and the college and the postgraduate and the post-postgraduate. I can tell you I prayed before every test, and he made me remember things I didn't even study. I, I know it's like cheating. It really is. But you know what? It's okay. It's, it's righteous cheating uh, because we're asking the Lord to help us, especially on multiple choices. He can get that pencil right in the right spot. When we take him with us, when we take him with us, man, it changes everything, doesn't it? Aren't you glad that at Christmas time, Jesus came as light and the illuminator of darkness and to, to bring his glory upon us? Hey, when you go to your houses, Ask the glory of the Lord to live there. Then when you get to come home from work, you know what you do? You walk into his glory. Wow, what an amazing difference it makes in life. It'll help your marriage. It'll help your parenting. It'll help everything happen because when the glory is there, whoo, you'll never be the same. Are you with me on that? Amen. I heard, heard a couple of amens. That's good. Well, one last thing I want to tell you. See, usually you stop at three for pastors, but I want to read for you. Oh, by the way, I love those passages where people are overcome by glory, don't you? They're, they're, they're amongst my favorite. Let me just throw a few your way. Remember the angels when they, were to, the, the, when, when they appeared before the shepherds? They were just overcome with the wonder of the glory. And it says, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to, whom, to men on whom his favor rests. I love the seraphs in Isaiah chapter 6 that says repeatedly over and over and over again, they just yelled with a full throat, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. I love the thought and the picture that's painted by John the Revelator that talks about these creatures flying around the throne of heaven in Revelation chapter 4. And it says there that day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. I'm so grateful, my friends, and you should be too, that when Jesus came at Christmas time, he ushered in the age of the glory of heaven. Hallelujah. And Pentecost, and we're way ahead of ourselves now, Pentecost is that, that matching gift that goes with his arrival at Christmas time is when the Holy Spirit was introduced as the abiding holiness or the abiding glory of God that lives within us, miracle of all miracles. Hallelujah. Last thing I want to say, and this is critical, we need salvation, and Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. That's what we really need. When it comes right down to it, I mean, amongst all these other things, and all of it is, is cause for Christians to celebrate, Jesus came for a purpose, and it was to save us from our sins. Amen? I mean, that's why he came. He came as the only answer to sin's problem. We needed a perfect sacrifice, and Jesus came to be that sacrifice. When Isaiah said in chapter 9, verse 6a, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He was announcing the coming of the, the, the Savior. When Gabriel appeared before Joseph, it says there, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Here's what it says, because he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Mary must have trembled when Gabriel announced that she would carry in her womb the long-awaited Messiah. Everyone knew what Messiah meant, Savior of the world. Um, Simeon rejoiced when Jesus appeared in the temple because he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus came with the greatest offer, better than anything on Amazon, better than anything on any other internet shopping network, better than the, 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 all those outlet malls. Jesus came to give to you and me this glorious gift called salvation from sin, forgiveness, a washing clean of everything we've ever done in life. There's no sin that he won't wash. Folks, isn't this good news? This is great news. As we move into this Christmas season, I think there's a couple of responses to to a sermon like this. For those of us who are followers of Christ, sometimes we forget all that Jesus has brought. And it's good as we enter into this season of Advent that we are reminded of all that He's given to us. He's turned the lights on. He's taken the darkness away. He's given to us the gift of His glory He's washed our lives from sin and given to us the gift of eternal life. That's a cause for celebration. For someone who may be here, see, I have the advantage, I don't really know any of you, and so I don't know who's saved and who's not. And so I'll just say to you, if you happen to be one that is still seeking, I don't like to ever call anybody a sinner. I don't know, I just don't like that term, although it's very biblical, and I understand that. But I like to say the seekers, seekers. And there may be some of you who are seeking. You're thinking about, what do I need to find in life that will bring to me joy? Let me just tell you, there is one and one only that will give you the ultimate joy, and it is Jesus alone. Jesus said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one that will give you all that you're looking for in life. We lived in Kansas City. I'll close with this. There was a store called Unclaimed Freight. I don't know. Maybe there's some around the nation. I don't know what, uh, but, but I, I uh, had heard about this store. I heard that you could get things really cheap, and I, I, I'm into cheap. And so I, I uh, looked up this place called Unclaimed Freight. It was a warehouse. And in the warehouse, there were, I mean, as you move through, there were different things. There, sometimes there was like a hundred of something or even 200 of something, all in a section. It would be stacked up on racks, or they need to be set on the floor. Sometimes there would be just like premium stuff, like top flight, uh, all leather furniture and things of that nature. Really cheap. I remember talking to the person that was in charge of the unclean freight, because I didn't really completely understand what was going on in this store. And he explained to me, he says, the things that arrive here have already been paid for. Someone ordered this, and then they decided they didn't want it, and so it became unclaimed freight. We've already got the money for it. We've already been paid the full value of it, but now we can put it in this warehouse at a very reduced cost because we've already got the money out of it to begin with by someone who just didn't want it anymore and didn't ask for the money back, didn't try to get the money back. Unclaimed freight, it's there. Folks, I'm afraid sometimes we treat Jesus like unclaimed freight, don't we? But the fact of the matter is, our salvation is already paid for, isn't it? 
our light, our life, our elimination of darkness, our, the glory is already there. It's already been paid for. And here's the bottom line. All we have to do is claim it. All we have to do is claim it. A lot of times in a service like this, right about now, we have a pianist come up, and we have a good one here. But, um, you know, I want us to just do this in silence this morning, if that's okay with you. And I know silence can be kind of scary. But here's the two responses I would like to invite us to do this morning to this sermon. Response number one is for those who are already followers of Christ. Would you spend just a few moments in silence saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've given to me. Forgive me for sometimes forgetting all that you've provided. Help me to embrace it fully and help me not to forget all that you've given to me as a gift already paid for. If there's someone here today that has never claimed the gift, unclaimed freight, never asked Jesus to forgive you of sins, I'll tell you what, it's about the easiest thing you can do in life. All you do is say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Set me free from sin. Take my darkness away and give me a brand new path in life. And just like that, Jesus does all those things. And you've got the whole package, nothing held back. That's the wonder of this salvation story. So as we close in prayer this morning, I'm just going to be quiet for a while. And you can pray if a Christian, uh, claim the, the promises. If you're not a Christian, just make that simple prayer. And then I'll close here in just a moment. Jesus, we're thankful for your coming. We thank you, dear Jesus, that you came to offer these wonderful gifts that we've talked about in this sermon and come, that all come from your word. As followers of Christ, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for these great provisions. We're not worthy of any of those. Yet, Lord, you've given them to us as gifts, and we celebrate that this morning. We take these thoughts with us into the Advent season. If there might be one or two or more that have never asked Jesus into their heart, I pray, dear Lord, that even now, that that person may simply say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Please come into my life. Clean up my darkness. Give me your light and life. Help me to know the way through life. Perhaps there'll even be someone listening uh, in the internet that uh, will hear this sermon. Uh, maybe they'll just stumble upon it as they're moving through, kind of surfing the net, if you will. And they'll, they'll hear this invitation, and perhaps someone we don't even know will give their life to Jesus. That's the kind of Jesus you are. You're a pursuer. You look for those who, who need your light and and you offer it freely. Lord, I pray that um, someone perhaps today will discover the true meaning of Christmas, and today will be the turning point in their life. I pray, Lord, finally, that as we leave this place, that you would help us to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, and that, that Lord, you would help us to do so in a way that is worthy of your name. Thank you, Jesus. In thy name we pray. Amen. Amen.